So I think it really comes down to your investment strategy. Um, one of the nice things about wholesaling is um, anybody can do it, even if you can't get a loan or you have credit challenges or whatever the case is. And hard money lenders can help you even if you have those things, but anybody could do that and sell it. Um, and it's a great way to make some quick cash if you, if you find the properties right. Yeah, I mean, you can start in real estate with nothing. Um, the reality is, is if, if you went out right now, knocked on some doors, found a motivated seller, you could sell that contract to somebody else and they would buy that contract from you. Um, the, you'd have to build some relationships. You'd have to build somebody that's willing to buy that property and you'd have to find a way to find somebody that wants to sell a property at a discount. You just gotta be committed. I don't care if you wanna do real estate, stock trading, if you wanna create a blog, a website, you know, whatever the case is, like you gotta just commit. I find a lot of people are like hopping around and hopping around. And, and the reality is a lot of strategies work, um, but you've gotta have the tenacity, the commitment, you've gotta follow through. And that is coming up next on Bootstrapping Your Dream Show, so stay tuned. So, the big question is this, how are ambitious people like us who don't have a lot of resources, did not go to Ivy League colleges, were not born into wealth, how do we become resourceful enough? Use our creativity, our dedication, and a little bit of crazy to bootstrap our way to realizing our dreams. Whether it is launching a new company, launching a new app, or making it to the top of the corporate ladder. That is the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. We have created a tremendous community of bootstrappers, entrepreneurs and professionals who are ambitious, resourceful and want to get things done. We brainstorm, support and help each other out. So come join us. Navigate to bootstrapping.group. Join today and get the Startup Founders Technology Accelerator video series absolutely free. If you enjoy this video, then do let us know by hitting that like button now. Or if you want us to improve our content, then go ahead and hit that thumbs down button and give us your honest feedback in the comment section below. Here at Tetra Noodle, we are passionate about entrepreneurship, technology and innovation. Every week we bring you insightful and engaging videos, interviews, tips, tricks and strategies to help you grow your business or rise in your corporate profession. If you're new here, please do consider subscribing and do not forget to hit that bell icon so that you are notified when we publish new content. Hello and welcome to this new episode of Bootstrapping Your Dream Show. I'm your host Manoj Agarwal and today we'll be talking with Ryan Wright. Ryan has been a pro prolific fix and flip entrepreneur since 2002 and has mentored thousands of new real estate investors during that time. He first started in real estate as an agent along with his wife almost 20 years ago. Several hundred profitable flips later, Ryan decided to take on a slightly different challenge to help new investors get funding quickly from reputable sources. The result was dohardmoney.com, a hard money lender that Ryan founded. Ryan, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So real estate, uh, let's talk about real estate. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your journey? How did you get into uh, flipping houses and uh, uh, what was that journey like? You know, uh, tell us a little bit about that. 
you know, I kind of just believe that if you work hard and, um, you know, you're continuously improving that doors just open. And I think that's kind of the result of my career, you know, a door opened, it was a good opportunity. So I walked through it, I gave it my best and another door opened. Um, you know, honestly, my grandpa did a few real estate deals before it was popular. My dad uh, did some duplex, threeplex, fourplex. Um, he was a chiropractor and then bought some properties, just got advice, you know, saying, hey, they're not making any more dirt. Um, and so we just, uh, I kind of fell into it. I've been an agent. I started out buying rental properties, uh, duplexes, and then I became an agent and then I helped other people buy and then I kept buying my own. And then I started uh, helping other people fix and flip and did some wholesaling. And, um, you know, now we do lending and, and we also have some software tools that we provide to make the process quite a bit easier that are proprietary to us. Um, because there's with technology these days, and I know that's a, a lot of your, your listenership is tech entrepreneurs. Um, there's so much that can happen and there's so much disruption. I think that's going to happen in the real estate, um, and the lending space having to do with technology as it's properly used. Um, and, and there's pros and cons around a lot of that, but, uh, that kind of leads me up to where I am today. It's, it's, uh, you know, when it, when a door opens, you, you give it hard work, you, you analyze it and you take the opportunity when it comes. That's awesome. Uh, now, uh, some of us, uh, you know, who lived through the 2008 crash, 2007 sort of uh, uh, peak in the real estate pricing, uh, we are a little bit skeptical of uh, real estate. Um, some people got really burnt really badly. So uh, can you tell us how did you weather that storm and how did it work out for you? Yeah. I mean, we did extremely well through that. Um, the interesting thing, uh, my investors, the guys that brought money and did deals, it was the only investment where they actually made money as a whole. Some deals, they lost money, some deals, they made money. And I'm not saying they made double digit returns. We probably made 3% on our money, but it was 10 times or a thousand times better than what they got in the stock market or other investors that they had investments they had. So actually after 2008, it actually catapulted our business because the investors were like, man, this really works even through the bad times. Um, and right now we're really just lucky because we know what prices went to in 2008. So if you really want to look at a worst case scenario, I believe is you can look back in 2008 prices and say, what did this sell for in 2008? Cause I think it'll be, you'll have a hard time with it getting worse than that. Um, um, there's a lot of talk about another recession. I don't know where I fall in that spectrum, if it's happening or not happening, some markets, because real estate's just so regional. Um, you know, there, yes, there are some things like this last uh, real estate crisis um, because of the subprime loans and all that type of stuff that caused that. But the reality is, is that a lot of it's so local. So you'll see places that are doing really well and some that are struggling right now across the country. I see. Well, that's a, that's a amazing that you were able to make money through that tough time. So can you tell us a little bit about what is different about your strategies, about the way that you work? Yeah, I think um, we're really conservative. Um, we don't do your multi-million dollar type deals. And a lot of people are attracted to those because you can do one deal and make a whole bunch of money on that one deal. But we basically decided we wanted to be in the blue collar neighborhoods, the median price ranges. And um, it when you deal with like, like even in my marketplaces, houses that sold or were for sale for $1.5 million. And this is different market by market. I'm talking median price range. So my median price range right now is probably about $250,000, $300,000. If you deal with a $1.5 million property, um, those properties in 2008 went all the way to maybe a half a million dollars of value. And now they're probably worth about $750,000 of value. So those have not made it up. Anything over a half a million dollars, like in Salt Lake City, is not selling for what it sold for before 2000. But if you look at the houses that sold, were selling for 180000 or 200000 they're 
more in value. They're $250,000 now than where they were. So you have this whole, uh, it's not the same for these properties that it is, is for the high-end properties. And so we've always had the business perspective of we're not going to get into these high-end luxury type properties. We're going to stay in the median price ranges because the volatility in the median price ranges, 80, 90% of the people can buy that house where when you deal with luxury or, or higher-end properties, you're dealing with three or 4% of the buyer's pool. And that buyer's pool tends to be extremely picky. Um, so they're going to nitpick everything and the lights, the fixture, and all this type of stuff. So I think one of the big things for our investment criteria that we said is we're going to invest in median price ranges and we're not going to go over significant dollar amounts. And so we can stay in the blue collar working class type neighborhoods. We're not talking about being in the war zones, you know, the bad neighborhoods, but we want to be in the, in the blue collar type working neighborhoods. And that's been a real key to our success. I see. Um, now when you buy a house, uh, you know, uh, like I, I'm not too sure. Like I'll I'll talk about your lending business as well. But uh, during your experience with flipping the houses, how much do you have to do in terms of fixing up the house before you can flip it? Yeah, it it all depends. Um, you can get a property that needs work and sell it to somebody else that wants to do the rehab. Um, that's typically called a wholesale deal. Um, you've got to buy an even better deal. Um, sometimes they'll um, sell that paper where they get under contract and they'll sell the contract or um, get it under contract, close on it, and then sell the property to somebody else. You can do little work. Um, there's also a strategy that's called wholesaling. There's a strategy where you find a property and then you retail it. You do little, maybe under $5,000 worth of work to the property and put it on the open market and sell it that way. Um, and then there's the whole strategy of where you actually fix the property up and uh, sell it for maximum potential. You just have to look and see, hey, where am I going to get the get the most bang for my buck. I think, uh, I think making sure that you take care of the, make sure everything's in working order, obviously, but then you've got to deal with the carpets, the paints, the bathrooms, you know, the kitchens, those are the things that typically sell. So I think it really comes down to your investment strategy. Um, one of the nice things about wholesaling is uh, anybody can do it, even if you can't get a loan or you have credit challenges or whatever the case is. And hard money lenders can help you even if you have those things, but anybody could do that and sell it. Um, and it's a great way to make some quick cash if you, if you find the properties right. I see. Well, um, uh, a few uh, uh, TV shows that come to mind on HGTV, uh, you know, I used to watch them, uh, flipping houses and whatnot. So I, uh, I remember there were some nightmares where, you know, somebody bought a house and then they didn't realize it needed a whole bunch of work. The foundation had to be changed and whatnot. So, um, you know, somebody who was trying to get into this business, what are some of the things that you'll caution them uh, to to take it off so that they don't get into this kind of mess. Yeah, and we've built a lot of that into our process. It's interesting because there's such even with technology, it can't solve every problem. Um, there is a human touch to that, especially in my business. And one of those human touches are, we have a software that helps you identify how much the rehab will be based upon your area and local pricing and those things, carpet, paint, square footage, those, you know, how much will the roof cost? Um, and that gets you a pretty good idea. But then from there, we actually have to have a project manager work with the borrower and the borrower's general contractor to make sure those, those costs are in line. Um, and so one of the things you got to do is bed your contractor. If the contract, it doesn't matter if all your prices are right. If the contractor doesn't show up to do the work, you got yourself in trouble. 
And uh, some people get with the highest bid or go with the lowest bid when that guy doesn't show up. And so then your bids double and you're in a big problem all of a sudden. I think you have to expect problems. Um, and I think you have to do a thorough walk through the property and make sure you know what's going to happen. I think you need to budget for those things. I think you need to budget for the project to have, you know, happen. I think you've got to vet the contractor. Um, we do a great job because we have project managers that work with the contractor and the borrower to make sure everything's in line. So we have a third party kind of validate that to make sure it's not too much or too little uh, when it comes to pricing, you know, further than what the software can do for you, um, you know, by working with an individual that is doing deals in that neighborhood. So uh, I think that's probably the big things. I see. That's great. And uh, now coming to the money part, uh, you know, real estate obviously is uh, is is not something that people get get into. Uh, and I have heard a lot of people come up with strategies. Even you mentioned uh, if you don't have money or you don't have credit. So can you tell us, um, sort of in 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 straight form, how much money do you actually need to get started in real estate? Yeah, I mean, you can start in real estate with nothing. Um, the reality is, is if, if you went out right now, knocked on some doors, found a motivated seller, you could sell that contract to somebody else and they would buy that contract from you. Um, the, you'd have to build some relationships. You'd have to build somebody that's willing to buy that property and you'd have to find a way to find somebody that wants to sell a property at a discount. Um, depending upon your skill sets, that could take a day and it could take three years. It just depends on your skill sets and how hard you're willing to go work. Um, but if you did that, you could make some money, um, you know, selling that contract or wholesaling that property. Um, as a as a lender, we'll do a deal if somebody if the purchase, the rehab, the closing costs, and the payments, uh, and the rehab all fit under seventy percent of the after repaired value. We'll fund all of that. Um, now those deals take a lot of work to find that. And so um, what we recommend people doing is there's more multiple ways to get started in real estate with no money down. You know, one is wholesaling properties. Um, another one is find a really good deal and, and a lender, a hard money lender like us will fund you everything. There's not a lot of true hard money lenders left, but some of them will. Um, and then you can also partner. So I can find the property, I can get a loan, but um, kind of like they do in commercial real estate, it's called syndication, um, where they find somebody that brings the down payment money, they get a loan for the purchase, and then they either do that through equity or they do it through debt. Equity meaning we'll split with you the equity we get, or debt meaning I'll pay you back this at an interest rate. Um, and so you can do those types of things, friends, family, you can get it from your 401k, um, you can you know go and recruit people that wanna put money into this. A lot of ways that you can get started with little to no money down. Um, you know, a few thousand bucks, we'd like to tell people, you know, you probably need $5,000, you're gonna need a, a few dollars to get started, maybe a little marketing, but the reality is um, you're only limited by your creativity. I see. So, uh, as you said, uh, finding these deals can take a little bit of time or more, depending upon how aggressive you are. Can you share any strategies, any tactics that you and that people can use to sort of, you know, look for these deals and, yeah. and where to find them? Well, and I think um, your tech entrepreneurs are going to geek out a little bit because I'm going to get maybe get a little bit technical. So mm -hmm. what we're looking for, and we have a software called Investor's Edge, um, but the idea is Investor's Edge software. So the idea is I need to find motivation and I need to find equity. Um, if they don't have equity and they don't have motivation, unless I'm going to do like a seller financing deal, um, so they, they've got to have equity, they got to have motivation, um, or, or I can do a seller finance deal, which is, is, is another thing. But what I'm basically doing is I'm saying, who has motivation? Somebody going through a divorce, 
somebody that owns a property out of state, somebody that's going through a bankruptcy, somebody that can't pay their bills, those types of things. So I have these different factors that I can put in. I say, okay, I want everybody that's going through a divorce in this zip code, but then I cross-reference that and I say, well, I want anybody that has at least $100,000 worth of equity. And the way that I pull that is I find out how much their loan was when they originally took it. I do a reverse amortization on that loan so I know approximately what, what that's worth now. And then our software will say, hey, what's the five closest houses cost per square foot and say this is what the house is worth. Now, that's not what the house is worth, but it gives me an idea if I should spend 50 cents to send that guy a postcard. Oh, so I can hit a button and I can do what's called a skip trace where I can get his name, his phone number, his email address, and those things all legally and legitimately. I can then hit a button and send him a postcard. I can send him a voice broadcast where it just does a ringless voicemail, shows up on his phone as a missed call. And I say, hey, I understand you're going through a difficult situation. We'd love to help you with this property. We have solutions. We can do it without agents. We can save you a ton of money. So those are the types of things that need to happen to find properties. We're talking out-of-state owners, non-owner occupied. We're talking for rent by owners. Um, we're talking, you know, cash owners that may have bought a property that want to get rid of it. There's multiple different factors. I'm only touching on a few of them. And then I cross-reference motivation against money. And then I can go market to those guys. The opposite is true if I want to do seller financing type deal. There's strategies to get the, if, if the guy wants 100000 the house is worth 100000 I could pay 100000 as long as he's going to finance me at no interest and no money down. And then I create the deal through margin, through, through financing. Um, and that's a great strategy as well. I see. That's great. And so um, when, you, uh, when you work with uh, new investors who don't have uh, much experience, what are some of the uh, things that they need to do in terms of their mindset? Because, you know, to some, including myself, like buying a home, buying a property is sort of a daunting thing. So w what do you suggest in terms of, you know, getting their mindset right to, to enter this game? Yeah, I think um, there's, there's two big things. One is commitment. Um, you've just got to be committed. I don't care if you want to do real estate, stock trading, if you want to create a blog, a website, you know, whatever the case is, like you've got to just commit. I find a lot of people are like hopping around and hopping around. And, and the reality is a lot of strategies work. Um, but you've got to have the tenacity, the commitment, you've got to follow through. I find a lot of people that get started and give up too quick. They look at one house and they get frustrated or they try and get the financing from us and it doesn't turn out the way that they were hoping for and then they just give up. So you got to work through that. I think the first deal you do is the hardest and it takes the most effort. Um, and even if you broke even on that first deal, having that experience and having that notch in your tool belt to, to really propels you to make the next one easier. You learn so much from it. I mean, even if you had to pay a college education to do the first deal, it'd be so worth it because that second deal becomes so much easier and then you can catapult your success. Um, so I think having the right mindset. The, the second thing um, is you got to have the right technology and you got to have the right mentor and you've got to have the right systems. Um, and so luckily in this day and age, it's really inexpensive. I mean, for things that used to cost me tens of thousands of dollars, you can get for a few hundred dollars. Um, and then finding somebody that's just been there, done that, that can help, help you along the way. Um, you know, that's, I think, really important. Uh, even myself, early on in my career, I was really hesitant to spend money for, you know, seminars or mentorship or whatever the case is. Now it's like the best investment I make. Um, as long as you apply what they say, it's not a waste of money. If you don't apply it, then uh, it, it can be a waste of money because you choose not to apply it. But getting some good help, some good mentorship to say, follow this system. We already learned over 18 years or 19 years, follow the system and do it. And um, predictably, you know, pro the percentage wise, uh, you're going to have success. 
Awesome, that's great. And by the way, does this system work in uh, any part of the world or is it specific to US? Yeah, so right now our system's only in the US. Um, I'm sorry for those Canadians listening. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Um, a lot um, of, when you, when you cross um, barriers, some of the, um, um, some of the what information doesn't transfer. Like it, you guys have a hard time doing in Canada. You, skip tracing is like so difficult to do. And so some of my real estate investor friends up in Canada are like, you're so lucky in the U.S. There's so much. Oh, however, no. however, if you are in Canada or another state or another country and you want to invest in the U.S., it would work for you there. So um, there may be changing your investment strategy and investing out of state or out of country, maybe something to consider as well. I see. Okay, um, that's great. Uh, now let's talk about your shift. So you went from real estate agent to uh, flipping houses and now you're lending money. So tell us a little bit about why did you sh make those shifts? Uh, did something happen or these are better opportunities that you came across? Um, tell us the reasoning behind that. Yeah, I, th I think uh, a few things. In my local marketplace, um, the competition just kept getting, you know, more difficult and more difficult. And I also want to take more of a passive role than an active role. So an active role, meaning, you know, looking at the crews, watching over them, you know, those types of things. And with the, uh, with the hard money, I can invest my money and let my money work for me um, rather than um, me you know, overseeing the entire projects myself. So I still do that, just not at the level that I used to do that. So it was kind of a, a lifestyle change of uh, doing less on the open real estate. We still have rental properties. We still have commercial properties. We still do lending. We still do some flips, um, just not at the degree that we were. And so I think it's active income versus more passive income is one of the big things. It created the opportunities for me to do more lending with my own capital and get that capital working rather than having to be more of an active a participant in the income that's coming in. I think it was really the big reason. Um, the other thing that's kind of cool is just, it's kind of fun to have some of the technology stuff. Um, we built uh, what we call an advanced deal analysis software. Um, one of the things we found for new investors, they were struggling to actually think of what the prices are. You mentioned like HGTV, you know, they, they do funny math. We bought it for a hundred, we put $50,000 into it, we sold it for 200 and we made $50,000. And we found a lot of people were thinking that that was the way math worked and it doesn't because there's holding costs and there's interest and there's insurance and there's, you know, there's um, fees and there's transfer taxes and there utilities and all this type of stuff. So we built a software that does all that for you and will tell you like, hey, in the wintertime, you're going to spend more money. It's already built in transfer tax fees, whatever the case is. So you can put in your numbers and it'll be like, this is what your profit really looks like. Um, so that was a really cool software uh, to build. And, and frankly, I just love helping other people get into the game and find success with it. Uh, a guy by the name of Dan helped me and I, I like to help other people. Awesome. Now, um, they, they say, you know, information is power. So you are giving away this information. Do you, uh, do you believe that this may create more competition for you? Because you already, you said there's already competition. So if more people are getting involved, uh, just this is being devil's advocate. Like sure. I'm trying to understand what prompted you to help people and share this information. Yeah, definitely creates more competition. Um, there's just no way to say that it doesn't. That said, I think um, most people get excited but don't do much. So mm -hmm. I think of the people that really become competition, it's pretty small. I wish more of them did. Um, and if there's this idea of competition versus collaboration. So what I found is some of the people that have, would you would consider competition, I've actually been able to collaborate with and we've been able to do more 
more or better or different deals together because of that. So maybe I've got somebody I compete with in, you know, fix and flipping or whatever the case is. And um, I'm able to do a, you know, a mobile home deal with those guys. And I would have never even seen that deal before if it wasn't for them. So I think you have to be careful with competition versus collaboration. Um, the other thing is, is we're not afraid. We're in multiple states. Um, so we, we're in multiple states. And so I think that opens up. And I think we're barely scratching the surface. If you look at how many fix and flips happen in the United States and how many, you know, we're a part of, you know, it's such a small percentage, although we're a really good sized company, it's such a small percentage of the overall. So I'm just a real, I'm a real fan of offering value. And if you offer value and solve problems, um, problem solving never goes out of style. And whoever can solve the problems the best is the one that ends up winning. And you can, you can do well through collaboration. That's great. And, um, now, can this be done as a side hustle as well? Like, you know, you know, some people are in their jobs, in their businesses. They just want to try things out and not leave their current uh, position. So uh, how does that work? How much time do you need for this? Yeah, absolutely. Not only can it be, but I encourage it heavily. I think a side hustle of real estate investing is the way to go. One of the things we promote is uh, our podcast, Income Hacker. And our thing is we believe anybody can become financially free in 10 years or less. Um, and it's through using principles, you know, financial, uh, being financially independent, using financial uh, mechanisms to be smart and budgeting and saving money and creating a margin and investing it, getting out of the Wall Street uh, casino and investing in real estate in different ways. So absolutely, I think within 10 to 15 hours a week, um, somebody could be a real estate investor. I think it would take about 120 days to find that first property. It may take one day, it may take more, depending upon your skill sets and depending on, upon if you want to put in uh, time or money. Marketing really just comes down to either you have to put in the time or you got to put in the money. Um, if you want to go send 10,000 postcards, you're probably going to get a deal tomorrow if you have the skill sets to do it. But if you don't have the money to do that and you need to knock on doors, it's going to take you longer to find that deal. So it's time or it's money. And as long as you have the right skill sets and the right system and you know what to follow and what to say and what to do with the deal and how to analyze it and how to know what the values are and those types of things which we help people with, um, then absolutely you could do some door knocking. You could door knock on the weekend or for four hours in the morning and, you know, send out a few postcards and, you know, do some skip tracing and do some voice broadcasts and, you know, answer those on your lunch hour as the calls that come in. It doesn't take lots of deals to find a great one. It, you know, it doesn't take lots of calls, right? You might have to lock, knock on a lot of doors, but if you're doing postcards of those things, a few opportunities can turn into a deal before you know it. Awesome. And you mentioned uh, phone calls, you mentioned postcards. So it seems like uh, you know, it, it's a, still a very traditional way of marketing. Does digital media or digital uh, marketing play any role in this? Yeah, very much so. So um, there's a new push in the real estate investing with digital. Um, and I think there's, a, there's definitely a place for that. So, you know, you can run Facebook ads, you can you know, geo-target, um, you can do... Um, what there's all different types. You can do SEO for, you know, sell my house and that type of stuff. Um, I think those are the SEO obviously is more of a long play. The digital marketing, you've got to be careful because you can lose a lot of money quick if you don't know what you're doing. So I think that's a more advanced strategy or if somebody has some digital marketing experience, it's a great play uh, to do, but I caution it just early on because you, if you don't set up your campaign right and limit the amount of money you're going to spend, you could wake up and have a lot of money uh, that got spent with, with uh, Google. Um, so you just got to be careful with that. If you've got some experience, by all means, do it. There's lots of opportunities through segmentation, geo-targeting, audiences, 
um, those types of things to actually have some success with, with that. Um, but in the same regards, it's maybe quite a bit more expensive than going and knocking on doors or putting up some bandit signs. So it, it definitely has a role because people are everywhere. Um, one of the things we also do find, though, is some of the older demographics that may have free and clear houses may not be as much technical. So, um, you know, just be careful. Um, one of the other things that's really popular is just picking up the phone and making phone calls and just saying, hey, are you interested in selling your house? Are you interested in selling your house? And so that can be a very cost-effective um, strategy as well, even less expensive than working with Google. I see. That's great. And uh, what about um, people? Do, do people get annoyed, like, you know, uh, receiving phone calls like this? Or, I mean, there are spam laws or uh, cold calling. Does it, does it work these days? Yeah. I mean, people get annoyed with everything. If you ever driven down the street, people get annoyed with <laughs> you know, the way you drive, the way you look, or they don't like my hair, or they can't stand my shirt or whatever the case is. I mean, I think we have an abundance of people being annoyed. Um, but in the same regards, like I'm not trying to annoy anybody, but I'm trying to get your attention. And, you know, if you're in a bad financial situation or going through a bankruptcy or a divorce, or you had a family member die, I can really help you. Like I can really legitimately, really, really, really help you. Um, and I can help solve the problem and I can take care of the probate. I can do all these types of things and I have the resources and the, the money and those types of things. Like I can really help you. And so I feel like it's, it's a requirement of me to offer my services where I'd be doing them a disservice because I don't want them to get involved with somebody else that could take advantage of them or lead them astray or not get the most money or whatever the case is. Like I can really help them. So yes, you have to have some thick skin because in the, in the end, this is a sales and a marketing job, right? You got to use the technology to find the right opportunities, but then you have to to reach out to those people, give them a reason to call you, or you have to outreach to them and get them to call you. Um, as far as some of the laws, the, the great thing about you know services we offer, we're not selling anything. So a lot of the a lot of the calling laws and that type of stuff has to do with solicitations of of wanting to sell something. We're actually making an offer. Um, we're saying, hey, we want to purchase your house. Um, so um, right now, we're not aware of anything that's that's uh, going against that. Where it's different, I'm not saying, hey, will you buy you know a cell phone for me for fifty nine dollars ninety nine cents a month and three equal payments? I'm saying, hey. I want to buy this house from you. Like I want to pay you. And so those are falling under different categories at the moment, the way, the way our attorneys understand it. Got it. Got it. And, and I'm uh, not an attorney, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a very important point you brought up. Like, you know, this is a sales and marketing uh, role and you need to have a little bit of a thick skin to, to do this properly. So that's a, that was a very good point. And, and uh, Leslie, don't be a jerk. You know, if somebody calls and is mad, just, you know, apologize. Um, if we're using a voice broadcast, we usually have it go to a voicemail because there will be upset people and call back the ones that are interested. But yeah, thick skin's required. Yeah. Um, all right. And uh, are there any specific kind of deals or red flags that you uh, can share with the uh, audience today so that, you know, there may be some deals they, they want to stay away from. And uh, with your experience, you will know, uh, you know, what are those red flags? So uh, can you shed some light on that? Yeah, absolutely. The types of things we're looking out for, um, and luckily technology helps with this. There's a, a website called Crime Reports. It's really cool. Um, you want to make sure you're not in a war zone. Um, you know, if somebody got murdered yesterday across the street from the property you're looking to buy, it's probably not a property you want to buy. Um, one of the things I say quite frequently, if I wouldn't let my wife walk down the street alone by herself, it's not a neighborhood you want to invest in. So, you know, I think that's a big one. I think railroad tracks, being near railroad tracks and not doing, you know, cost adjustments, busy streets, um, boarded up homes. If there's lots of boarded up homes, you need to be concerned about that. If you're dealing with anything that's been a meth house, 
um, you've got to be worried about those types of things. So, um, and the number of, of uh, renters in the area. So if it's primarily a rental area, you would be concerned about that. Most homeowners want to live in, a, in an area that's predominantly homeowners and you've got to put your thinking cap on. So I would say the biggest thing is overlooking the obvious. You know, when you drive in and you see all the houses are in disrepair, you want to be purchasing the worst house in the best neighborhood. You want to, when you buy that house, all the neighbors are like, oh, hallelujah, that you're doing the repairs and making this thing nice, bring it up to standard. You don't want to buy the worst house in the best neighborhood, or you don't want to buy, you know, you don't want to be the best house. Um, you want to be the worst house. That's the type of stuff you want to be buying. So I would say making sure you're not crossing natural barriers, knowing where railroad tracks are, making sure you're not near commercial, making sure it's not on busy streets, making sure that you're not, you know, um, dealing with a McDonald's across the street from it. Those types of things that are easy to overlook because you get all excited. Oh, I'm going to make all this money. Um, and so you can look those things up and look at the crime reports and make some decisions. Luckily, most police stations put their stuff online and uh, crime reports is an aggregator of that. Um, and you can, uh, you know, see what's going on in that neighborhood and really have a good feel. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. For, those are really uh, awesome tips. Uh, now, uh, this has been a very interesting conversation and uh, I think a lot of people learned, including myself, learned a lot of, about real estate. Uh, before I let you go, can you tell us how people can reach out to you and um, maybe uh, learn from you or uh, hire you for your services or lending business? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can always check us out at Income Hacker. Um, you can check out the podcast. Um, you can go to dohardmoney.com. But any of your listeners, for your listeners, anybody that's interested, I've got a book, How to Get More Money You Can Ever Handle, A Real Estate Investor's Guide to Funding Deals. I'll give you a free copy of it. It sells on Amazon for 20 bucks or 25 bucks or seven. I can't remember. You can get a free digital copy of it. Just go to dohardmoney.com backslash bootstrapping dash your dash dreams to go along with your podcast listeners. And uh, if they do that, they can get a free copy of that. Um, as well and uh, check things out. That's great. Well, thank you so much for your generosity. Well, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. And anybody who's listening or watching, please go to that URL. We'll put that URL in the show notes as well so that you can easily get to that. Thank you Fantastic. so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And that's all for now. Until next time. Now, if you're an entrepreneur or a career professional, then I invite you to join our growing community. Navigate to bootstrapping.group. As a welcome bonus, you will get the Startup Founders Technology Accelerator video series and Mastering Your Inner Game video series absolutely free. This series of short videos address some core issues which are instrumental in helping you move forward in your business or career. The videos are yours to view and share for free. No obligations or strings attached except for one you have to take action and implement it. So join us today, navigate to bootstrapping.group. If you want more engaging videos and insightful interviews with industry's thought leaders, then check out the other videos we have picked for you. The link is right there. And if you want to be notified about our new content, please do consider subscribing to our channel.